Hello and welcome to this week's podcast from journalism.co.uk where we'll be talking about the students from the University of Southern California that have found a new purpose for virtual reality in journalism. By now you've probably seen some of the amazing work that news organisations have been producing using virtual reality. Ranging from 6x9, the Guardian's VR project that lets viewers experience solitary confinement for themselves, to the live VR that NBC News has been experimenting with to cover news events with interactive experiences. However, a team of students from the University of Southern California have established an innovative use of this immersive technology that looks to help prepare audiences for the future helping them to understand an issue before it happens, as opposed to reporting on something that's already taken place or simply using the technology to transport the viewer to an area they haven't been before. The student's project, Helen Highwater VR, which is based on research by ProPublica and the Texas Tribune, aims to prepare audiences for the inevitable coastal storms in Houston, Texas, that will cause destruction to the local area if the Houston Ship Channel one of the country's biggest petrochemical refining centres is hit. You see, disasters like this are often predicted well before they happen, but it's common for the public to underestimate the severity of the situation until these natural incidents occur, which often take many lives and destroy towns and cities. But what if we could use virtual reality to help audiences understand the situation and act on it now before it's too late? Robert Hernandez, project lead and professor at USC's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, explains how the project came about and why his class, who published material under the name Jovernalism, knew this story would work well in VR. I got contacted by Scott Klein at ProPublica, and he had heard about the work that I was doing with my students, and he approached me and pitched the idea of whether we could collaborate. He had told me that he and ProPublica were working in a partnership with the Texas Tribune on this story out of Houston, where basically it's a known local story that Houston is incredibly vulnerable to hurricanes. It floods easily, and scientists were predicting significant disasters if a hurricane hit at the right angle. Hurricane Ike had just missed this spot. It was an incredible investigation that they had done. People weren't debating if it was going to happen. It was more, when is it going to happen? And the only thing they were really debating was how to prepare for that next disaster. And Scott asked, do you think this was a good virtual reality story? Do you think we could use virtual reality to get people to care about a disaster before it strikes? And as he told me more about it, all the stuff that I've been playing with and thinking about VR really fit nicely with this project. A lot of the journalism stuff that you see for VR is 360 video, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Virtual reality for journalism means a lot more and really powerful stuff. And I thought that this story really lended itself to that. And one experience that I immediately thought of was defining and, and, and putting a, the user, the visitor, in a sense, in the location, but also feeling the biggest threat, which is a storm surge. Scientists predicted um, that there would be a 30-foot storm surge, a wall of water that would come to, to the Houston Ship Channel, to that area, and it would cause major devastations, not only to the Ship Channel, which, which processes a lot of stuff, but the outside area of the Ship Channel is, is covered with petrochemical plants. 
lilic toxic stuff, stuff to do jet fuels and processed plastics and a whole bunch of stuff. And just outside of that area are neighborhoods. This combination was going to cause an environmental disaster, an economical disaster, and potentially kill hundreds of people. And so we used virtual reality to try to illustrate that story. So you can kind of get a better sense of what's at stake and get a sense of scale through CG, through 3D models, and through 360 video and the mashing up of those things, get a better sense of scale of what a storm surge looks like when it's coming at you, a 10-foot storm surge, and then a 30-foot storm surge. One of the major risks of severe hurricanes is a storm surge. A storm surge is essentially a massive wave that is caused by hurricane-force winds pushing water onto the land. During Hurricane Ike, there was a storm surge of about 10 to 13 feet in this area. We also use immersive 360 cameras to take you to Houston so you see the ship channel and all the tanks that are there. You see the people, uh, the neighborhoods that are there. You go inside a house of someone who's gone through a storm before and, and talk about the flooding. This house you're in now had 33 inches of water in it for two and a half days. So figure about here on down, including the piano, right to the keyboard was underwater. So we, we really used diverse experiences to illustrate what this story would be like. We used different virtual reality techniques that a lot of people haven't done or thought about and brought them together, not for a gimmick, which a lot of virtual reality stuff is being used for. VR is very gimmicky for, for a lot of stuff, but really for capital J journalism to talk about an investigation and really weave in storytelling and, and experiences that are unique to virtual reality, but are also strong journalistic pieces that could be shared and told in such a unique way. The series of 360-degree videos that make up Helen Highwater VR interlinks both animated and spherical video footage to illustrate portions of the ProPublica investigation they felt was suited for virtual reality, such as the trip to the homes of previous hurricane survivors and an animated demonstration of a storm surge. For example, the group used GoPro rigs to film 360-degree footage of a street next to the water in Houston, which was then mixed with CGI footage of a 30-foot wave approaching a computer-generated house nearby, which demonstrated the scale of disaster a storm surge could cause. You know, a lot of people forget, but Katrina was predicted by the local paper, the Times-Picayune, years before it actually happened. It was front-page story. Someone just said, look, if we get hit by a hurricane and there's flooding here, you're going to tell people to evacuate, but there's no infrastructure to help them to evacuate. There's no, they don't have cars. We don't have a place to put them. So we're just sitting ducks. And when it first came out, people just dismissed it as media hype and someone called it disaster porn. No one believed the newspaper and it happened exactly how they predicted it. And when Scott told me about this, we wanted to find out, could we do VR to help people to avoid repeating that same mistake? And if virtual reality can get you to care, to get you closer to doing something about it, then why not use it? Now, that said, that brings a lot of ethical questions. And we in the class grappled with that, right? In virtual reality, if I'm going to go with CG, where I can create a reality that I can imagine and invent pixel by pixel, well, 
I can put you in any situation that I want, but that's not necessarily journalism, right? So for the search, for example, we first started to brainstorm and think, oh, maybe we'll put you in a house and then outside there'll be a storm and you'll hear the wind and see the, the, wa the water and then we'll rip the roof off of the house. And we stopped, I stopped the class in the middle of it and said, hey, that's a Hollywood movie. We're doing journalism here. How do we boil down to just the facts? How do we just focus on what is nonfiction, what is agreed upon scientific fact, and not, not exaggerate, not go over the top, and just keep it straight down the middle? How do I get people to make sure that even though this is virtual reality, and some people dismiss uh, virtual reality be in journalism because the word virtual, how do I get them to understand that this is a data visualization? It's an infographic, but just in an immersive way. And so we boil down the surge experience just to give you one thing and one thing only, which is a sense of scale. When I tell you there's a 30-foot storm surge coming at you, what does that mean? Well, a 30-foot wall of water we do our best to imagine it, right? If someone tells you that, you imagine, what does that look like? We do our best in our text to, to use some sort of visualization. You know, it's like 10 swimming pools, or it's three stories tall, or whatever we use to try to illustrate that and help you paint that mental picture. But I can put you there, standing next to a house, a house that we built in CG, but a house that is based on uh, an actual house that we found along the water. In fact, we even start our experience standing in front of that actual house that we captured in 360. And in that reality of 360, we drop that CG model house right next to it so you can see them and compare them. So we start to bring this digital asset into our reality. And then we fade that you're standing next to that CG house and a CG wall of water is coming towards you. The first wall of water coming to you is the 10-foot storm surge from Hurricane Ike. Uh, when we worked with the CG artist, he put in water and rain and all that stuff like to come down. And, and I was like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're not trying to enhance and make you feel like you're in a storm. We're trying to just give you the sense of scale, right? And so that wall of water comes to you, and it's not like Hollywood cutting edge, particles of water and multi-texture. It's just really simple as simplified as possible, and it illustrates what 10 feet look like. And it comes up close to the house. We mark on the house where the 10-foot foot line is. And you can compare and you can look at that moment and realize, oh, man, this house is, is going to get hit. But it looks like because it's on stilts, it'll survive. Then we reset and bring over the 30-foot wall of water. And you can look up and you see that this house is engulfed in this wall of water. You get this sense of, of scale and height and, and accurately understand what 30 feet looks like. Again, we could have put sound of wind and we could have put rain and all that stuff, but we didn't because we wanted to play it straight and narrow. We also didn't let the wall of water hit the house. We could have had the wall of water hit the house and the house been washed away and all that stuff, but we didn't. Why didn't we do that? Because we don't know the details of the construction of the house. Maybe it would survive. Maybe it would collapse. Who knows how it could play out? There are too many variables for that. But the thing that I can tell you 
if that wall of water is 30 feet tall and you feel that sense and that threat to that house, and that is accurate, right? So those are the things that we had to kind of, kind of scale back and focus on. And those are really fantastic conversations. And a lot of folks in journalism in the traditional sense are nervous about that. Oh my gosh, how are you gonna ensure that someone is ethical when you can recreate the world in any way you want? Well, you're an ethical journalist, right? So that's what you do. You can make up anything you want in text. You can edit a video in a weird way, but you don't because we subscribe to ethics and those ethics don't go away with a new piece of technology like virtual reality. So I'm really excited that this piece kind of helps hopefully move the industry forward in terms of understanding how VR could be used, not only for video, but also for CG and for what I think is really powerful, the mixture of both. The opening scene, for example, uh, we had to come up with a crazy, really creative trick, a hack, probably the best trick I've pulled off in my career so far, where I essentially have you fly over the Houston Ship Channel, fly over the petrochemical plants and land in the neighborhood. And in that flyover moment, we give you just the, the whole nut graph. This thing is going to flood. It's going to flood this petrochemical place, which has got all this bad toxic stuff, and it's going to affect these people. And in order to do that, we, we did something called photogrammetry. Uh, photogrammetry is when you take pictures of something and through those series of pictures, you run it through a program and you make an accurate 3D model of it, right? We did that to the scale of a city. Not as great as Google Earth VR is, which they just released, which is bittersweet, but enough to give you that sense of place and scale. And we have 3D models, accurate 3D models of refineries from that area. We did this. And so that is an accurate 3D model of a real place. It's not a made-up 3D model. It's not an interpretation of it. It is a 3D model based on images of that area brought together and placed into this world. And that, to me, is another incredible opportunity for journalists. With pixel-by-pixel pixel type of recreations, sure, you can hire a 3D model artist. We don't have many of them in newsrooms. But if you can take a series of photos of an actual object or a room that you're trying to put people in and run it through a program to create 3D models, then you can now do journalistic, accurate 3D models in a gaming environment. So it's a truly immersive experience. Everything that you see there, 80, 90, I must say 90, well, I must say 90% of everything produced there was done by students. We did have an, an artist help us fine tune the CG stuff, but a student had done that on his own. Many students taking Robert's class, who get to grapple with new and emerging technology throughout the year, had little to no experience with VR before, but built their skills together by experimenting with different tools and techniques. It took way longer than I had hoped. We were really ambitious. The first two scenes in our experience, the opening with the, the flyover and CG and the wall of water, it took us a, a while to pull that off, mainly to find someone who can polish it off because students are students and they have summer vacation and summer courses and they have to move on. So it was just a bit of a challenge there. But I'm now teaching it again this semester 
This time we're partnering up with the Center of Investigative Reporting, and we're working on some experiences about the California drought and water, the lack of water here. We're doing some really cool stuff, one involving a drone and immersive video. We're doing some, again, some creative stuff. Next semester, because of the work with ProPublica, the Desert Sun, which is a newspaper in Palm Springs owned by the Gannett Company, which has done uh, some VR stuff, they reached out to me. The executive editor reached out to me and said, hey, would you work with us? Would you collaborate? Would you ever consider working with us? And they pitched this idea to me, this story to me, which is also really phenomenal. And we are collaborating uh, next semester, next year, or early next year, uh, to produce these projects. The advantage that I have over the VR journalism industry is that I got students who want to produce, and we are not held back by legacy, by bureaucracy, or by the justification of the ROI. I don't need a financial sponsor to pull off these projects. I don't need to guarantee click-throughs or views to pull off these projects because the whole point is trying to figure it out. And if we fail, we fail. And if we succeed, we share our knowledge and our benefit and what we learned with the industry. And you can check out Helen Highwater VR on YouTube and through the Journalism app. Head over to journalism.co.uk for all the links there and be sure to join us next week on the podcast where we'll be hearing about more exciting developments within the digital journalism industry. Music.